Hey everyone, it's time for the Down in the Valley podcast. This is episode 25. We're uh, right in the middle of the Missouri State series being played down in Springfield um, on the weekend of January 2nd and 3rd. Um, As I've mentioned before, the audio version of Down in the Valley will go after the first game of the two-game Valley series, and then I'll do the written week in review um, after the uh, series concludes. Um, If you watch this, you don't need the point belabored. It was a rough night for the Sycamores. Indiana State lost 84-74 to at JQH Arena. However, the final score was not really indicative of the tone of the game. Uh, Indiana State started really badly, um, was down 22-4, to um, couldn't have been more than eight or nine minutes into the game. And uh, although the lead never got above 20, surprisingly, um, Missouri State was basically doing whatever it wanted um, in the first half of that game. The Bears shot 71% from the field, uh, which, believe it or not, they've done recently. They did that to Evansville in 2019, uh, according to their media relations staff down there. Um, it was just a, it was a snowball rolling downhill, 5 of 10 from three-point range, and their two main cogs, um, forward Isaiah Mosley and uh, power forward Gage Primer, really he's more like a center um, or a, or a, well, you know, or a, or a point center, point forward, point power forward. Don't know if that's a real term. They were both dominant. Uh, Indiana State had no answer for either one of them. Um, Gage Prim overall was 10 of 15 from the field at 11 rebounds, 22 points, five assists, um, as he's kind of taking on a little bit of that, kind of a mini version of that Cameron Krautwig role that Loyola does with uh, with, with him. Uh, Prim was the pivot for everything they did today. Either he got the ball and took it himself or uh, kind of stood out there near the elbow and let everybody kind of rotate around him like uh, like a like a planet's rotating and rotating the sun on an axis and uh, dished it out to open teammates because he draws so much attention. One of them being Isaiah Mosley, who's you know vastly improved from last year. He's the leading scorer in the Valley, and uh, tonight he scored 23, which is three above his season average or two, depending on how you want to look at it. He was 7 of 10, 3 of 4 from three-point range, and Mosley was hot. I mean, he was creating his own shots. Um, a lot of it had to do with Mosley. Some of it had to do with Izu's defense. He hit one that I remember in particular in the corner that was actually pretty well defended by Cooper Neese, and he rainbowed it in anyway. So uh, whatever was going wrong for Indiana State did. Their offense got um, untracked early. Um, and then when you start to fall behind, you start to press and you start to take bad shots, start to get sloppy with the ball. And ISU was guilty of, uh, unfortunately, all of that in the first half um, on their way to a 50-30 to 30 halftime deficit, which, um, uh, if anything, flattered ISU. I mean, they were probably worse than 50-30 to 30 at that point. Um, did a good job in the second half. I mean, obviously they outscored Missouri State by 10 to get it back down to a 10-point deficit and really um, had the game down to a 10-point deficit relatively early. Um, it's just that ISU couldn't keep their momentum up. And really, you know, it's hard. sometimes it's hard to tell in these games. Missouri State, both times ISU got it down to 10, they answered with some points of their own. So it was hard to tell whether they were, you know, trying something there was a few times where they had the ball in the post where they dished it out to the perimeter where they very easily could have converted in the post 
Um, I'm not saying they were sandbagging, but, um, you know, you, you do have a tendency to lose a little bit of focus. And then when they needed to get their focus back, they were able to string together a run. The first time it got to 10, uh, they subsequently hit two three-point shots in a row to get it back up to 16 when it got to 10 again with about three and a half minutes or so left. Um, Missouri State scored the next four. So that, so it never really was a threat to get the ISU's deficit below 10. Um, but the whole tone of the game was set in the first half and just ISU wasn't ready coming out of the locker room. And that's a disturbing trend. If it happens once, you know, it happened last weekend against Drake uh, in, the, in the home series they played. You know, if it happens once and it's an isolated thing, you can um, – dismiss it as that but it's happened twice now and that's um, certainly a cause for far more concern you know and that's no disrespect to either Drake or Missouri State they're both very good teams but um, Indiana State's um, just lack of attentiveness lack of preparedness uh, makes them look that much better because they will um, both those teams are lethal if you give them a chance to be, and they were in the first half with Drake in the whole game last week um, in the first game of that series in Missouri State for the first 20 minutes uh, last night. Um, you know, there's a lot of places I could start. I'll get to that in a little bit. Let's talk about the individual performances a bit first, though. And looking down the line here, ISU had their usual starting lineup of Trey Williams, Jake LaRavia, Cooper Nice, Julian Larry, and Tyreek Key. Um, uh, probably Jake Laravia's, I don't know if it's his worst game of the year, but it's among his worst. He only scored seven, two rebounds, three turnovers. Um, wasn't really much of a factor. And, you know, you knew it was a bad sign when on the very first possession of the game, uh, Jake charges into the lane and, and uh, is called for charging. And so right away, the thing that's been a bugaboo for both him and Trey Williams this season uh, came to the fore again. Another early foul. Trey Williams later picked up an offensive foul also during Missouri State's early run. Um, and uh, I'll get to that in a minute, but um, we'll talk a little bit more about that problem in depth a bit in, in, a, in a few seconds. Trey himself was three for six, six rebounds, nine points. Um, two block shots. The one thing that jumps out at me and it jumped out about LaRavia last week is in a game where ISU is minus 10 as a team, Trey Williams is a plus one. So it again, you know, we had a game last week where, where LaRavia was a plus 10 in a game where ISU lost by, uh, what was it, six, I think, to Drake in that second game last week. These guys are so important to what ISU needs to do, and which is why it's so damaging when they have to leave the floor for significant stretches at a time uh, to sit because of, you know, preventable fouls. And um, I don't know that Trey was as guilty of the preventable part of it as much as LaRavia was in this game, but um, the point is is that ISU just doesn't have the post depth to deal with it when those guys get into foul trouble. So unfortunately a, a recurring theme, and it happened again tonight. Cooper Nice was really good, 6 for 12, 3 for 5 from three-point range, five rebounds, 19 points. Did have four turnovers, did have a couple defensive errors, but he certainly wasn't alone in that. Um, Cooper's got a lot of confidence in his shot right now, and frankly, he kept them, um, you know, <laughs> it kept it from being a little bit more embarrassing than it already was in the first half. He was sticking his shots uh, through that period. So Cooper's 
individually playing okay. Uh, he needs some help, though. Julian Larry was 0 for 4, 0 for 2 from three-point range, uh, one assist. Um, unfortunately, the freshman is struggling a little bit. Uh, he was removed early after taking a couple early shots. You know, he's, the people teams are leaving him open on the three-point arc, uh, but that's not his strong suit uh, shooting, at least not right now it isn't. And um, he was sort of a guilty among as some others were of quick shooting and it just caused the snowball to keep rolling because when I see quick shoots um, and they don't get the offensive rebound it just feeds the momentum that the other team has already built for itself so it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy when you quick shoot when you're trying to recover from a bad start it's almost like it makes it worse so um, you know I I'm not going to be too hard on Julian Larry he's a freshman he's you know, learning, you know, baptism by fire and all that, but, um, you know, it wasn't his best night. Tyree Key, actually, I thought um, was was fine tonight. He was 8 of 19 from the field. Good to see him shooting. Uh, 2 of 5 from three-point range, 3 of 4 at the line, 7 rebounds. Um, he had uh, 21 points and uh, 3 assists. Um, I thought Tyreek was the most, along with Cooper, was the most assertive of the Sycamores when it came to trying to lift the team in the right way. I'm not saying he was great defensively. I don't think anybody was, but at least he was trying to play to his strengths, which I I know Tyreek has been accused of not doing this year, but he was trying to get into the lane, get fouled, go to the line, uh, make some things happen, and wasn't passive and wasn't letting you know the tenor of the game determine his own effort so I thought Tyreek Key was fine I saw some criticism about him coming over on my social media feed I think if you look at the season overall um, I can understand a little bit of that but I don't know if I understand it tonight I thought Tyreek was was fine tonight Tobias Howard is next on the box score um, tough night for Tobias 0 for 9 from the field 0 for 4 from three-point range he did have two points at the line, uh, two assists, two turnovers. And, I mean, you know, 0 for 9 says it all. I mean, not all of those shots were bad shots. He did have a couple. He was unlucky. He had a couple rim out. I know I could think of at least two that swirled around the entirety of the cylinder before they fell out. That's bad luck, but there was also some shots in there that didn't need to be taken. There's also some loose ball handling, which he's been guilty of throughout the season, among others. Uh, so a tough night for Tobias, who played 25 minutes. I mean, Julian Larry only played nine. So in effect, Tobias was the point guard for quite a long time tonight and um, just wasn't able to rise to the occasion the way ISU needed. Kobe Barnes played 15 minutes, two points, three rebounds, didn't do anything particularly bad, uh, you know, didn't do anything particularly great either. So he was he, he filled the role he was supposed to. Nago now played 11 minutes, actually 12 minutes closer to that, 11.44 to be specific. One of two from the field, five rebounds, two points, um, and he did the best he could. I mean, he got thrown into the fire again because of the foul trouble for Williams and LaRavia, and, he, and Nango gives great effort. I don't think there's any question about that. He's just not very skilled in terms of scoring. I know he threw one, just kind of tossed it at the backboard at one point, and not sure if it drew rim or not, if it did, barely. So he's doing his best, you know. I mean, it's it, he's being thrust into some pretty untenable situations, which isn't his fault. 
um, due to some of the foul trouble and some of the other things. So I'm not going to criticize him. He's in there to fill up some minutes, and he did that tonight. Uh, Jared Hankins played tonight, played about four minutes, just under that one of one from the field. He had a th- corner three. Um, I think we need to see more of Jared Hankins, I'll be honest. Um, you know, the point guard position right now is pretty, um, you know, unstable. Unstable is too, too harsh of a word. It's it's It needs a little bit of stability. Um, you know, he's been in the system now for over a year, so... Um, I don't think it would hurt to give him some more minutes. I thought he was, I thought when he came in tonight and he came in right in the teeth of when ISU was at their worst, um, I thought he stabilized things a little bit. You know, I mean, you're going to expect mistakes out of him too because it's his first year playing at this level. But um, I think he, uh, you know, he, he at least deserves a try. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to harm anything if he did. So looking at some of the stats, you know, the ones that stick out, um, ISU didn't, again, you know, didn't shoot the ball. They didn't shoot the ball terrible. I mean, it was 37.9% overall, um, shot a lot better from three in the second half to get their three-point percentage up to 39%, which isn't bad. Uh, Cooper Neese and Tyreek Key were a big part of it. Actually, you look at it, and six different Sycamores hit threes tonight. Trey Williams hit one. Uh, Jake Laravia hit one up at the top of the key. Cooper Neese had three. Tyreek had two. Randy Miller, who I didn't mention, I need to go into him, had uh, was one of four, and Jared Hankins hit the corner three I mentioned. Let's get back to Randy Miller real quick. He played 17 minutes, three of seven from the field, uh, scored nine points, had two turnovers. I, I think th- I, I wish there was a way that ISU could find a way to get Randy um, – more comfortable in his offense. It seems like sometimes the ball sticks with him a little bit and not necessarily, he, he just hesitates a little bit when he's got an, a window to go to the basket or shoot. And then by the time he gets around to trying to figure out which one he's going to do, by then the defense has, has adjusted and it's a tougher shot or pass. Um, and Randy's also guilty of a little bit of the loose ball handling too, uh, that Tobias Howard was also guilty of tonight. And and some of the other guards as well. So apologies for missing Randy on my first go-through. ICU only had 10 assists tonight. Their assist totals have been lower this year. Um, Rebound-wise, it ended up being 36-32, to 32, but it was pretty significant in Missouri State's favor in the first half. ICU only had eight rebounds in the first half. I think Missouri State had 19 at that point. You look at some of the other stats, uh, points off turnovers weren't that far off, 22-18 to 18 in Missouri State's favor. Points in the paint are going to be a big uh, check mark in the Bears' favor with Gage Prim. 44-20 to 20 there. ISU did score more second-chance buckets, oddly enough. Um, and ISU's bench scored more, though just marginally more. So, um, you know, again, I mean, but this one goes back to the way ISU came out of the gate. And when I spoke with the players after the game, um, that was my main kind of line of questioning for, for them was, you know, this is two weeks in a row now. You know, what, what's, what's the trouble in terms of the bad starts? And, two, and both of the players I talked to, Cooper and Tyreek, um, related it to, to scouting report errors, which is something that we've heard mentioned before um, by players when things like this go wrong. And so I followed up and I asked, you know, okay, well, what's the – you know, where's the difficulty in the scouting report? You know, what are we missing here? Is it something that, 
you know, the players aren't understanding in the way it's being explained to them. You know, what what is it? I don't know that anybody gave me a definitive answer. Um, you know, both Cooper and Tyree kind of talked about the same things. Some of it is attentiveness. Some of it is taking film sessions seriously. Um, and some of it is, you know, just, uh, you know, not executing what the plan is, even if people are paying attention to it. So those are all worrying, of course. And I suppose if you want to look at it a certain way, you know, that's where accountability has to come into play. And I'm not throwing the players necessarily under the bus. I think the accountability is spread all around. Um, But, you know, Greg Lansing, if you read his comments through the course of the season, he talks a lot about how this team, um, you know, has a lot of quieter guys, and and it does. Um, but somebody needs, you know, somebody within among the players needs to, you know, show some accountability and and make sure these errors aren't happening, you know, again. Because, you know, you have to save yourself sometimes. I mean, sometimes nobody's going to throw. Um, uh, you know, a life raft for you. You have to do what you can to to keep yourself alive. And um, if the Sycamores aren't creating accountability among themselves, that's a big problem. And that calls for leaders like Tyreek Key, Jake Laravia, uh, Cooper Neese, and others, Trey Williams, to uh, get everybody on the same page. Because um, if they're not going to do it, you know, I don't know who does. And as far as the coach's accountability is concerned, I mean, um, there has to be, I guess, some recognition of the fact that this is an issue for this team. So how do you adjust how you convey the scouting report? I'm not sure there's an answer to that. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not a coach, so I'm traipsing on thin ice here, but I'm not sure how you, how you, make I was I was actually at a film session the other day I saw what they were doing it didn't seem terribly difficult for me to grasp I wasn't there to see the film you know I was in the distance but I was listening and it didn't seem like there was anything lost in the messaging to me you know and that granted that's one session so I don't want to make a big thing out of it but um, I don't know I guess if if I were in being in management and all that if I were in in their shoes, I would question, you know, not only question their motivation and how they motivate themselves, but also whether the message needs to be conveyed in a different way in some way to make sure guys are grasping what they need to do when they go out on the floor. Because the players took accountability. They said that the, you know, the plan was sound. They just didn't execute it. So, um, you know, those of you who have played sports can decide where the accountability lies in that. Um, Um, I don't know that any of us really truly know unless we're in that room. So, um, but it's a problem, obviously. I mean, you can't just start games down 22 to four, you know, seven or eight minutes into a game and expect to crawl out of it. So I don't think anybody knows that better right now than the Sycamores themselves. So, but they need to continue to um, dig deep and figure out how they fix it. You look at this game within the context of the season, ISU fell to 3-5, and 0-3 oh in the Valley. Um, and, you know, there's when I was thinking about it after, you know, after I talked to the coaches and players and kind of spaced myself a little bit away from the 
disappointment of the game. I mean, it was that first half was rough, and probably if you read my social media, it probably indicated, you know, I don't really hold back on there. So it indicated where how I felt about it, which I thought it was a really poor performance, and it was. But when you look at it within the scope of the season, I mean, there's four things that are hurting ISU right now, and I don't think any of them are a big secret. Um, obviously, the defensive issues are a huge problem. And, you know, Greg Lansing said something um, that I think we all know, but he verbalized it when he was speaking after the game. And that was, you know, this team doesn't really have a defensive stopper on it. And that is obviously very evident. This team misses Christian Williams a lot. He played that role last year and was very good at it. Um, And, you know, the defensive problems are problems of players who aren't defensive-minded first. I'm trying to think of anybody on this team who I would think of as like, well, when they go out there, I expect more from them on the defensive end than I do the offensive end. And I'm not so sure there's anybody on this team where I could think of where, okay, I think of them as a defender, not an offensive player, or or at least in terms of their mentality when I see them play. And when you have that, you have to struggle to motivate yourself to play defense. I'm not saying these players don't want to do it. I'm sure they do for no other reason than pride. But if your mentality is that I'm a scorer or I'm going to go down and shoot or I'm going to go down and facilitate or I'm going to go down and post up or I'm going to go down and do this or do that and, you know, I'm going to get stops. I don't know that that's the first thing that enters any of these guys' minds. Maybe Julian Larry. There's one kid I could think of who... I think of defense first, but that's more opportunistic defense, which is not the same thing as stopping. You know, that's more forcing than stopping, and there is a difference in basketball. So I don't know how you overcome that um, apart from playing some different defenses uh, than ISU is playing. Now, I did want to point this out because I think it's fair to. um, I did tweet during the game um, at halftime. I tweeted, and it, you know, it was it was it was a rough tweet. It was sarcastic, and I said, you know, ISU might as well play, might as well press, or play zone, um, because whatever they're doing isn't working. And I inferred in that that has ISU practiced that? Probably not. Or I actually said no. I think the way I originally worded it was probably not. And I just was like, no, that's not strong enough. I'm going to change it to no. Well, turns out they have. I was corrected on that. I don't, I don't want to get into it because it was a private conversation, but ISU has practiced a little bit of, uh, of zone press and some zone. Not a lot, but they have practiced it. So I did want to correct the record on that, uh, so I'm being fair. Um, but, you know, the point is ISU didn't, didn't do those things uh, until, you know, after the game was a 20-point game. They used a zone press in the second half. It actually worked pretty well. Um, but I guess what I'm driving at here is that if we know this team has defensive problems, it might be good to go to your plan B or your plan C um, the minute you detect that plan A isn't working. So um, that's something that probably needs to be um, thought about with the, the, the sense of urgency and understanding this team's shortcomings on defense uh, from a you know, in-game standpoint is probably something that would be um, would be helpful. And, and 
you know, I'm not trying to criticize the coaches in saying that, but, you know, this team is struggling, you know, to, to stop based purely on, on you know, their some of their ball screen defense weaknesses and things like that. Um, the second thing that's been the main problem is foul trouble for Jake LaRavia and Trey Williams. And um, the whole kit and caboodle falls apart when those guys are off the floor. Um because ISU does so much through those guys. They're so good when they're in the game. I mean, it wasn't a great night for Jake LaRavia tonight, but the spurts that you saw him play kind of unfettered, you know, you could see he was he was helping them on the boards. He was uh, somebody that Missouri State had to pay attention to defensively. And so when those guys aren't on the floor, um, obviously a lot of things fall apart. The guards have more pressure on them. They're going to see more defensive attention. Um, ISU doesn't have a whole lot of depth at the at either one of those positions. Kobe Barnes has done fine um, spelling Laravia lately, uh, and Nongo now is trying. But it, you know those aren't st- you're not going to see um, you know double doubles or close to that out of either one of those players very frequently, if ever. So you take them off the floor, and it messes up your rotation. It messes up um, the the pressure you could put on the other team. It's very damaging, and so many of these fouls are preventable. Um, I could think of tonight's game. You know, I mentioned the the charge that LaRavia had um, on the first possession of the game, which is obviously uh, – and, and, you know, I think he's been thinking about it too, so it go, enters his mind. It's like, crap, you know, I got a foul right off the bat. Um, and then there were two – the game was out of hand by this point, but I think his fourth and his fifth fouls were basically touch fouls away, you know – uh, that weren't necessary. So this isn't anything we haven't written about or talked about before, but it's 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 hurting the team. You know, I mean, it, it is. And we all love Jake LaRavia's aggressiveness. You never want to see that um, curtailed, but um, it needs to be channeled in the right direction. Trey Williams has been picking up some fouls too. I don't, I don't know that his are as um, preventable as some of LaRavia's have been because – if one or the other is off the floor, it puts a lot more pressure on that person to defend whoever the big man is. And Gage Prim is a hell of a player. So uh, that was a tough assignment, although Trey Williams' first foul tonight was an offensive foul as well. So the foul trouble that those guys are getting into is is hurting uh, the Sycamores. And, um, you know, we forget, though, these guys are both sophomores. Uh, they were so good and have been so good and good this year, too, that the expectation that's placed on them is, you know, it's almost like they're seniors or something like that. They are sophomores and they are learning, but, um, you know, there's other teams that have good freshmen and good sophomores who, you know, uh, have to learn and, and get better in a, in a quick way to make sure they're not, um, you know, becoming a, a problem for, uh, for their team so obviously we all know about that that's been well publicized both those players have acknowledged it and uh, they just need to work on fixing it ISU has not shot the ball well this year um, you know tonight 37 percent isn't bad it's not great either um, I think you know from three-point range uh, Cooper Nice has been good but you know I've said this before I don't know that I trust anybody else foisting up threes that doesn't mean there aren't players who can't hit them but right now, Cooper's the only one who's been consistent about it. So, um, so you know, when you when you add the inability to shoot consistently from long range, 
and then occasionally have long stretches where Laravia and Williams are off the floor, it becomes really tough to score. And um, it hasn't, you know, there's been stretches in games, including last night's game where ISU scored fine, but um, there's also stretches that uh, they're not. So that has held them back. And then part and parcel with that, some of the shot selection has been um, suboptimal. A lot of quick shots, a lot of shots that frankly some players should recognize that they shouldn't take um you know and very little of it is hero ball it's just more recognizing what you what you can and can't do so I think that's hurt the team too but there's a few other things too that maybe haven't been as talked about as much I mean we have had a true freshman point guard all season long and Julian Larry started off the season great but teams have seen more film on him and they're adjusting and they're uh, taking away some of the things that he likes to do on both ends of the floor, and they're, you know, forcing him to make some tough decisions. And he's literally played eight college games, so um, it was never going to be some sort of progress. No player progresses on a climb their whole career. You're going to have peaks and valleys, and right now Julian is going through a bit of a valley as he enters uh, conference play. So... Um, having a freshman true point guard is not easy. So um, ISU has developed several point guards over the years. Um, and while some of them were good their freshman years, I don't know that any of them were great game to game. So um, so there's that. That's something that we don't talk about very much. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that they pulled Julian after nine, just only nine minutes of play tonight, um, so we'll see what they uh, do with that spot. As I mentioned, and as Greg Lansing mentioned to me, you know, this team doesn't really have a defensive stopper. The thing we forget about, um, and it's unfortunate, but it's the the cards they've been dealt. Uh, Kalex Stevens, who isn't playing this year, was, I don't know that he was necessarily going to be a defensive stopper, but he certainly would have helped them defensively out on the perimeter because he was long. He does have a good defensive mentality. I wrote about him before he got hurt, and he, you know, he said he likes to be a dog on defense, and all of that. So, um, you know, that, that's the way it goes. I mean, you got to deal with the cards you've been dealt, but you know, it should be recognized that ISU's main defender, at least out on the perimeter, um, uh, is not playing. Um, the JUCOs, Tobias, or they're not JUCOs, but uh, transfers, Tobias Howard and Randy Miller have been inconsistent, and they need more consistency out of those guys. That's uh, another thing. Um, sharing the ball, um, I don't know that it's bad, but you don't see this. You're not seeing the assist totals you saw last year, and that's where Jordan Barnes's absence is hurting this team. And, you know, that goes back to also having a freshman point guard and all of that. It kind of all adds together. So, um, you know, you're not seeing the assist totals around 15 per game like you saw last year at times. Uh, It's been floating around 10 more like. So, um, you know, that hasn't been as good for ISU this year. And I mentioned post-depth, you know, Nongo now is doing the best he can. Another injury that's hurt ISU a little bit this year is uh is not having Nick Hiddle uh who um is still out uh looked like he was he didn't practice last one I attended uh I 
don't I I had heard they were hoping to have him back at some point, but I'll have to follow up on that when I'm there this week to see what his status is. And the other thing I think has has that's hurt this team a little bit is um you know, I feel like when some of these issues were evident against really good teams like Purdue and SLU and uh, back in December it's easy to dismiss those things as the competition you're playing against and also the COVID outbreak that ISU had it's easy to you know and it's not illegit it's not an illegitimate thing to say but you know ISU barely practiced for about a three-week period and no doubt that that has hurt this team as they've gone through the season but you know nobody was going to feel bad for them and nobody was going to change the schedule to account for that so the sense of urgency um i i i'm not saying it wasn't there but what i am saying is that you know i was hearing a little bit about that covid stoppage a little bit longer than i had hoped to because at some point the games are going to get played and you have to figure it out and 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 uh, get playing you know you look at some other you know indiana state isn't the only team that's had a covid stoppage i mean southern illinois had one about the same time that ISU did. Their season was delayed, and they started in December as well. And Southern is a team that has a similar makeup to ISU in the respect that you have some guys who came back, uh, younger guys who were expected, who did, played well last year, who were expected to make a step. You know, Marcus Damask and Lance Jones are different positions than LaRavia and Trey Williams, but they're the same experience level and same, basically at the same stage of their development within their team. Um, and they started 7-0, and including a win over Butler. Now, I'm not trying to sit here and say that ISU should have started 7-0. and But what I am saying is that, um, you know, the idea that the team hasn't had time to come together, um, the time wasn't an option that they were given to come together. So um, the sense of urgency for that to happen, um, you know, needed needs to be immediate right off the bat you know it's it's uh you know you're not hearing that as much lately because enough games have been played to where I don't know that that would hold a whole lot of water but I just felt like it was almost like well we need to come to you know this team needed to pull together um and find itself well the games dictate when when you need to find yourself so um, and unfortunately, there weren't as many non-conference games this year as there as anybody would have liked. But ISU isn't going to be the only team that faces that. And um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with. You know, I look. I looked at several teams that have had stoppages, and some of them have come out of the stoppages unscathed, and other teams have really been disrupted by it. So I'm not trying to be unfair to ISU, but the point is, is that the games are going to come whether you like it or not, and. Um, you know, nobody's going to wait for them to figure out when they need to find each other. So um, hopefully the, everybody understands that and is uh, ready to move on. So um, so how does ISU get past all this? Well, I'm not a coach, so I don't want to sit here and try to act like I'm an expert that I'm not. Um, you know, I mentioned some of the things about defense and, you know, if – if ISU has a plan B or a plan C, I don't know, maybe you mix it up during the game, maybe you switch once in a while and maybe uh, try that just to keep the other team off balance. Um, ISU has done that before. I'm not saying that they haven't, but, um, you know, 
it, it's 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 incumbent to understand a team's weaknesses as well as its strengths. And I don't know that this team is suddenly going to become a great defensive team just by you know having some practices. So that would be interesting. I think one thing I've thought of, and I say this without knowing what it would influence elsewhere, but I do think it would be interesting to see Tyreek play the point. Um, you know, Tyreek has played the point before, um, you know, throughout his career. He's he's never really played point guard per se for ISU, but he's had ball handling responsibilities quite a bit, and he's certainly capable of that. Um, you know, and that would give Julian Larry a little bit of time to develop. Maybe you see Jared Hankins uh, in that role as well. You know, Tobias Howard is also a point guard, so... Um, not sure how that would affect his role. I'm just kind of talking out loud, but I I think having the ball in Tyreek's hands would be important because he can make so many things happen with it. Um, you know, he can obviously get to the basket, and that way the ball is in his hands. He's not waiting out on the wing for somebody to get it to him to do that. I mean, he can determine, and he's got good basketball on floor basketball IQ. He can determine when he can try to make something happen and put some pressure on the opposing team's defense to make that happen. Um, you know, obviously he can shoot it if he, if need be. And, and, you know, he's got a decent eye for the floor. He's not, um, Jake Odom level of point guard, but he's, he could do it. Um, I think that would be interesting. The question is, is who starts in, 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 uh, or who fills the lineup in his place. And that's not as easy a question to answer. I guess, if you know if you did that probably Randy Miller would step in and start in Tyreek's role um but whether that would do any good again I'm not a coach um I'm sure there would be detriments to that um obviously the first thing I think of against what I just said is that Julian Leary at his best does force some things defensively um which uh, Randy Miller, Randy Miller can, you know, he could do some of those things, but he's not as opportunistic as Julian Larry is. So that'd be one um, argument against doing that. So, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, I have a feeling it's going to be a lot like last week where ICU is going to play better in the second game against Missouri State. Uh, Missouri State last week against UNI also beat them relatively soundly in their first game um, up in Cedar Falls. And then UNI was able to come back Missouri State got off to a really slow start in that second game up there at uh, McLeod Center and uh, ended up losing by 10. So uh, difference is they're at home this time. Um, ISU is uh, uh, trying to figure this out on the road, so we'll see what happens. Uh, when you look at the minute load, um, it's probably a bit of a wash, although the one thing I noticed when I was previewing this um, is – Missouri State does play at starters heavy minutes. I mean, although even today in, a, in what was relatively close to a blowout, you had um, six guys, well, five guys. Five guys played about 30 minutes. You had a couple guys at 29, you know, just barely under that. But basically playing 30 minutes, Jared Ritter was the only starter who didn't, but he played 24, so that's not like he sat the bench. Uh, Demarcus Sharp played 31 minutes off the bench for Missouri State. They're not. They don't play. They. They're not. I'm not saying they're not deep because they had some guys who came off the bench, uh, who did some things. Nick Tata uh, spelled Gage Prim for a while there in the first half, and he was just as effective as Prim was. Uh, obviously, Demarcus Sharp was. He scored 10, so he was good off the bench for the Bears. But they do. 
you know, on the back end of a back-to-back, does that matter? I mean, I guess we'll find out tomorrow. ISU only had two guys play 30 minutes or more, Cooper Neese and Tyree Key. So, um, you know, we'll see if that's an advantage or not. Sometimes that stuff can be um, important. Sometimes it can be overblown. So, um, anyway, tomorrow's game is at 4 o'clock. I did, I did not make the trip to Springfield. I know I've made a big deal about being there in person. Unfortunately, the, it had nothing to do with anything other than um, – the weather going down there was really uh, not good. Unfortunately, I tried, I tried to figure out every way to try to get down there. Um, unfortunately, they the ice storm that came through on Friday, um, or the was it ice storm is probably too heavy a way to put it. The ice that came through came through at a really bad time. It hit Missouri right about uh, right, right about when I'd be driving through it. Um, I don't do I-44. If you've ever driven I-44 between St. Louis and Springfield, it's twisty. Um, it's one of the earliest interstates. There's barely any runoff. And what there is is kind of dangerous. I got ran off the road on I-44 probably seven or eight years ago, and it wasn't even in bad conditions. A truck just didn't, you know, it was a hill, didn't see me in the left lane. I was trying to pass him, and he just shoved over, moved in, and I had nowhere to go. I went on to the, if you've ever driven it, it's basically a grass berm with a wire fence down the middle of a lot of it. And I was very, very close to going into that wire fence. It was scary. And luckily I was able to not crash. But um, the point is, is that I kind of respect that road (laughs) a little bit more than I do some of the others. And um, I have no desire to drive that in ice or snow. And the unfortunate thing is, is that what I would normally do is drive to St. Louis and stay there and then make up the uh, the rest of the drive the next day, which I could have done if there wasn't snow yesterday too. Unfortunately, it snowed right there in that stretch, right would have been at, right when I would have been driving through it on Saturday. So uh, unfortunately, it just, it didn't work out. So I wasn't able to make this trip. So um, I will be following along on ESPN, uh, I think it's on ESPN 3 tomorrow, along with all the rest of you. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.